Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit us at unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message from Rick Benjamin. Something happened last night. You probably already know this. It happened at 7.19 exactly last night. And this always makes me happy. It's the winter solstice that last night was the longest night of the year. And so today is, are you ready for this, two seconds longer than yesterday. <laughs> I'll take both of them. And tomorrow's even a few more seconds. And I know maybe I should be more spiritual and this shouldn't affect me so much. But I'm just happy that the darkness lost again and the light won again. And pretty soon it'll be those long, beautiful summer days in Alaska in May and June and July. Almost make you want to cry. They're just so lovely. And there's another reason that always makes me happy. Because, you see, December 25th is a date that somebody picked for the birthday of Jesus. We don't actually know what day he was born, honestly. It doesn't spoil it for me. But December 21st is something God does. Every year, faithfully. He set it up that way for the sun and the earth and the orbit and the axis to be just what it is yesterday and so exactly that we can figure it out to the minute when it happens. And that's the faithfulness of God. The seasons are the faithfulness of God. So I just, I just rejoice in that. I love Jesus, so I love Christmas. It's that simple. Nobody has to tell me what the real meaning of Christmas is. Let's just say it. What's the real meaning of Christmas? Jesus! <laughs> and presents, she said. <laughs> so we're going to read one of the Christmas stories in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. I think we have that. It's in the New International Version. And I'll just read it. This is how... Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, nice, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, it's true. You can believe it. <laughs> I always appreciated this part of the story, don't you? Poor Joseph. You're pregnant? How? <laughs> now what do I do? He was a good man, the Bible says, and I just thought God had mercy on him here. The angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The prophet was Isaiah. It's found in your Bible in Isaiah 7:14, And he said it 800 years before Christmas. Wow. We'll read the rest. Where did we leave off? After it said Emmanuel. There it is. So, uh, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And one more slide, I think. 
Is that it? I'll read the rest. When Joseph woke up after that dream, after the angel spoke to him, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. I always love the way God used Matthew to write so sensitive about the delicate subject of the conception of Jesus and how it preserves so beautifully the miracle of the virgin birth. His name is Jesus. They called him Jesus. That's what they called him as a child as he grew up. It's a form of an Israel name, a Hebrew name. The Lord saves. It's like the word Joshua or the name Hosea or the name Isaiah. They're all forms of that same name. The Lord saves. The angel said, call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. His name is Jesus because he's the Savior. But then the prophecy gave him another name, and we sang it today, Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's what it means because that's who he was. Through the miracle of the virgin birth, Jesus, the God-man, was and is God with us. So now John chapter 1. This is the New Living Translation, right? Have we got that one too? I think. There it is. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him. Nothing was created except through Him. The one who is the true light who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The eternal word, the second person, God himself, the creator God, he became the God-man when he came on Christmas. Beautiful words, the true light, the one who was the true light, was coming into the darkness. That's why we celebrate. When Jesus came, the light came into the darkness, and God came to be with us. So the title is Christmas, the coming of his presence. This month, Pastor Josh Tanner has been doing a series called In His Presence. Love this series. Here's some quotes. On December 8th, Josh said, Lord, we want all of your presence. Anybody else want to say amen? amen? Experiencing God's presence is not about how you feel. That one may have surprised some of you, but not me. I know exactly what he means. Last week, Josh said, one moment you get saved and God's presence comes into your life. After that, you practice his presence. He used the expression, entertain God's presence. He says next week he's going to come back and talk about that and kind of teach a little bit about how to practice God's presence. Dolores said it a minute ago, yeah, at Christmas we're thinking about another kind of presence. P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. Presents we're giving to others. Presents we're going to receive. My beautiful grandson, Tucker, is here today. He counted under our tree 10 presents. He's not the only one. We all have done it. You know, we count our presents. How many got your shopping done? That wasn't very many. (laughs) Always this question. I always want to know, how many of you only open your presents on Christmas Day? Come on, because you got to wait till it's December 25th, right? Okay, how many of you open all your presents on Christmas Eve that night? There are people that do that. Look at that right there. It's the 24th. It's not Christmas yet. (laughs) 
Okay, now I learned this. I thought our family was the only one that did this. We got to open just one on Christmas Eve. How many do that? Look at that. That's very popular now. And then it's so important to pick the right one. Like if you're a kid and you open socks on Christmas Eve, you know, shoot. <laughs> what a waste. <laughs> Today I'm not talking about presents. I'm talking about his presence, like it says up there. Or I could say it this way, the great gift that he gave us all was his presence at Christmas. Okay, now before Christmas, God's presence was not the same. You have to understand, this changed everything when Jesus came. Before Christmas, there were special people that would experience God's presence at special times. Like the prophets, like I mentioned Isaiah. They weren't prophesying every day of their lives. Those prophets would have the Spirit come upon them, and he would show them things and take them through all these experiences, and then it would go away. And sometimes it was hard on them. The prophets said sometimes they got sick. Sometimes it made them like in a coma almost. Jeremiah said, I like it when you speak to me, but I don't like it when you speak to me because I have to say these hard things. So when it comes in, it's very sweet. But when the word goes out, it's very sour. It was a very intermittent experience, God's presence, even for the prophets. Or the judges, remember those guys? Like Samson, the strong man of the Bible. Maybe he wasn't that strong. He was only supernaturally strong when the Spirit of God came upon him. Then he would do these radical strong things. Then the Spirit would leave him and come again another time. You understand what we're saying here? The kings were like this. The priests. The priests were special people. But this is how it was for Israel. For several hundred years, his presence was seen. God would actually show himself. It would shine like light inside the tabernacle. That was that portable tent that God designed that they carried around the wilderness. And then inside the temple, which was the permanent place in Jerusalem based on the tabernacle, inside that holy, holy room, there would be light. It was God's literal presence. And then only, listen to this, one man and that was the high priest of Israel, on one day of the year. It was called the Day of Atonement. It happens like in October. Only one man on one day of the year could go into God's presence. Not one woman ever got to go in there, sisters, for hundreds of years. The best the rest of us could do was just stand outside and look upon what was happening and watch the high priest go in and come back out again and just wonder, what would it be like to do that? to go in there, to be with him. About 600 years before Christmas, his presence left the temple in Jerusalem. The prophet Ezekiel saw it happen. God moved out. And then, of course, the temple and all of Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians. And Then for 400 years, we sang about it in that last song, for 400 years there was nothing from God. No prophets, no presence, silence. It was like his presence was gone. Once in a while, a Christian will say, I feel like I haven't heard from God in a while. Ask them. I feel like I haven't heard from God in a while. How long? 400 years. You could wonder. God has left us. He's not talking to us anymore. His presence is gone. That's how it was. We forget. This changed everything when Jesus came, Emmanuel. 
And also, when he came, the time he came, 2,000 years ago, the world was a very, very dark place. We think it's bad now, and it is. But it was a horrible place when Jesus came. He had these empires like Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. They were violent. They oppressed people. They destroyed people. They made slaves. There was human slavery everywhere. There was all kinds of immorality. You can't believe how awful Rome was. And then all these gods and goddesses, the Greek ones and the Roman ones, you know, they were worshiping all of them and offering sacrifice to them. The world was a dark, black place when Christmas came. But when he, Jesus, came at Christmas, the light, the one who was the true light, came into the darkness. It was the coming of his presence. Are you getting this? We didn't deserve it. We did nothing to entertain his presence or to even ask for his presence. We weren't even seeking. We didn't earn it. He came. It's the wonder. It's the miracle. He just came into all of that. He didn't wait for our darkness to get a little bit lighter. Okay, I got my light meter here. It's pretty dark. I can't go into that. I'm going to wait till it kind of bright. No, no. It was like the darkest it ever was. He brought his light into our darkness. And then, of course, his light overcame the darkness. That's in John 1 also. The light could not overcome it. I mean, the darkness couldn't overcome the light, it says. He didn't wait till we were all real desperate. Oh, Jesus, please come, please. He brought his presence into the world, and it changed everything. 1 John 4, 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is the real meaning of Christmas. This is why we celebrate Christmas. It's one of our biggest days, you know, for us Christians, the coming of his presence. God showed how much he loves us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. That's it. Now, baby Jesus grew up. We know that. He didn't stay a baby in the manger. He grew up, the Bible says, and grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And he knew who he was. Somehow along the way, as he grew and developed, he realized who he was. And he knew where he came from. And I don't mean Bethlehem or Nazareth. He knew where he came from before Bethlehem. And he knew why he came. And he said so. I love these statements of Jesus. Like this one, Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Why are you here, Jesus? Why did you come? That's why he knew why. I came, and I came for this reason, to seek and to save those who are lost. John 12, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. Who talks like this? What if I walked around saying, attention, I have come as a light in the darkness. Me, Rick Benjamin. So if you put your trust in me, they would haul me away. <laughs> After a brief appearance on 60 Minutes, the crazy man from Alaska, you know. <laughs> Jesus walked around saying these things all the time. He knew where he came from. He knew why he came. He knew why he was here. Isn't Jesus awesome? There's just no one like Jesus. And we take these things for granted. We read them in the Bible so much. But this is what he talked like. This last one, he was before Pilate, the man who was about to condemn him to die on the cross that morning. This was Good Friday. Pilate said, so you are a king. Jesus responded, you say I'm a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. 
Awesome. The next day on Good Friday, Jesus died on the cross. Actually, that same day. And he was buried. And three days later, on Resurrection Sunday, he was raised from the dead. Another one of our big days, maybe even bigger than Christmas. And after the resurrection, 40 days later, he went back to heaven. His resurrected, glorified body ascended, and they watched it happen. They watched it go up. But listen to this. His presence is still with us. We know he went back. In fact, we expect him to come back again. One day, his physical body, he'll return to the earth. We're all looking forward to that. That's the next big day. In the meantime, Jesus is not God with us for a little while. He's not Emmanuel for a little while. Jesus is still Emmanuel. Jesus is still God with us. How can that be? He told us about it. The night before he died in the upper room in John 14, I think we have that one too. There it is. I will ask the Father. He will give you another advocate who will, what is it? Never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him. It, doesn't, it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but look at this. You know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Ooh, that's new. Very new. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus was saying, I'm leaving you. And they hated those words. They didn't want to hear that. Let not your hearts be troubled, he said, because their hearts were troubled. They didn't want him to leave. But he said, I'm really not leaving. I'm leaving, but I'm sending another one like me, another comforter like me. And when he comes, he'll be with you forever. And not just with you, he'll be inside of you. So I really am not leaving you at all. In fact, in one way it's better because Jesus was in one place at one time, like in that one room that night. Now the Holy Spirit can be every place, all of the time, and in all of God's people everywhere. Wow. When Jesus left, he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us and in us forever. And then one day, Jesus himself, like I said, will come from heaven again and will be in his physical presence forever. How many want that? Today would be fine. Come on. Amen. Until then, we have his presence through the Holy Spirit. And that's why when he sent them out, Jesus could say, go into all the world, make disciples of all the nations, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age, he said. Well, he's going back to heaven the next minute. But he was keeping a promise. I'm sending my Holy Spirit, and through my Spirit, I'll be with you always. So when Jesus came at Christmas, his presence came to stay. Now all of us can experience his presence like no one ever did for thousands of years before Christmas. All those prophets and kings and priests and judges, once in a while. Do you understand? We have an experience, a privilege, an honor that none of them ever knew. Sisters and brothers, all of us get to walk and live in God's presence all the time and really have his presence inside of us all the time. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you my story. I'm going to tell you my experience of God's presence. I hope you won't mind that I get a bit personal here for a minute. I want to use my experience as an example of what I think it's like to live in his presence. I was born in the presence of God, you might say. My grandparents were Christians and ministers and missionaries. My parents were ministers and all the rest. So I grew up in this church. I grew up in a Christian home. 
There's a story about a prophet named Samuel in 1 Samuel 2. It says, he grew up in the presence of the Lord. That was me. But later in chapter 3, it says, Samuel didn't know the Lord yet. Interesting, huh? You can grow up in God's presence and not know him yet. That was me too. You see, God's presence was my environment. Like the water is the environment for the fish. You say to the fish, how's the water? The fish says, what is water? It's all the fish has ever known. The fish has no consciousness of water until what? Pull the fish out. Then the fish, oh, well, I want that water. Okay. My life, I was like the fish. I was in God's presence, always all around me, all the time. But that doesn't mean his presence was in me. A lot of us church kids grew up this way. My wife could tell you about that, many of us. Church kids grow up in God's presence. That doesn't mean God's presence is in you yet. It's a whole different thing. There are many adults, I think, who are quite accustomed to being in God's presence, like the fish in the water. It doesn't mean he's inside of you. I'm just saying. I was like that. So then one day, which I don't remember, and I wish I did remember, when I was very young, his presence came inside of me. I prayed some words. I meant them. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sin. I don't know what I said. I can't remember. But in that moment, his presence came inside of me. He brought his light into my darkness. I was a sinner just like anybody else. Sure. And his light overcame my darkness. He brought his presence into this world, into my world. And it changed everything. So listen to me now. Someone, probably my parents, probably mom and dad, brought me into his presence one time. And I've been there ever since. From that day, whenever it was, until this day, this morning. Now, another day, I remember this one. It was later. I was a teenager. This is a day I'll never forget. His presence inside of me began to flow from inside of me out. That's what Jesus said. From inside of you, deep inside will flow what he called rivers of living water. How beautiful. And that began to happen to me one day. And that's been happening every day since. It's an experience the Bible calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I hope every one of you has that experience. Check out the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If this is new to you, look into this experience. He's inside of you. That's wonderful. There's another experience where he starts flowing out of you. And that changes everything too. Okay, so every day of my life, I haven't walked full of God's power. I can't say that. I wish I could. There's been plenty of days it was just me going through the day and being a human in this world. I can't say I've always had this experience of, you know, feeling or hearing or seeing God's presence every day. No, it isn't like that. But every day of my life, since those special days, I have lived in his presence, and his presence has lived in me. One way I know, I can just start talking to him. In my car, <laughs> at work, when I'm in trouble, in the shower, you know, and I know I can just start talking and 
I'm doing that because he's with me. Never doubted, never at risk, never changing. On bad days, his presence is conviction. <laughs> On bad days, his presence is not language, it's not speaking, it's something like this. Okay, Rick, you got to make that right. <laughs> you know, on some bad days, I wish his presence could take a break. As Honestly, <laughs> that's, how, that's how faithful and relentless his presence is. There's always love, just like a love of a father. I love you, son, but you got to fix this. And it stays that way until I fix it. On good days, his presence is favor. On days when I feel like I've cooperated with him, the gifts he put in my life, on the days that I feel like he did the stuff only he can do through me, his presence is, good boy, good job, good, I approve that. Are you there already? Okay. The man's name was Eric Little. He was a famous Scottish Olympic athlete. They made a movie about him called Chariots of Fire. It was 100 years ago. He was a sprinter. And he said, God made me for a purpose. He made me for China. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. And he won some medals, and he felt God's pleasure. And he went to China as a missionary, and he died there. It's a great story. There are times in my life when God's presence is like that. I know what Little meant. I feel your pleasure. When I'm confused, his presence is, it's more like a yes. When I'm wondering about a decision and I finally make the right decision inside, it's like, yes, that'll work. It isn't like a big loud voice or a flaming arrow in the sky. It's just something inside, a deep inner peace. Okay, you got that. Go that way. Like getting married to her. Like going to Bible college. So many other times I could tell you. I have had experiences where his feelings, feeling his presence is powerful and overwhelming. I have. Glorious times. Just like he can almost not stand it. And there are some days there are no feelings at all. But his presence is always with me. You know, when I want to reach out and show my son that I love him or my grandson, sometimes I just kind of pat him. I pat Tucker on the head, you know. I'm not trying to deliver some big lesson. I'm not trying to correct him or say anything. I just want him to know. I'm here. I love you. I'm with you. Sometimes God's presence is like that. It isn't always some big revelation or something he's trying to fix. It's just like he's saying, I love you. What's wrong with that? And sometimes in some really dark hours when I didn't know what to do, and his presence did not answer all my questions. And his presence did not fix the situation. But his presence was enough. I would just begin to pray in the Spirit sometimes. It's all I knew to do. I was thinking, whatever else is going on, I thank God I could still do this. <laughs> and I know I'm in communication with you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Answer. Because thou art with me. Even in those times. Now, don't take this wrong. I don't need anyone or anything to be in God's presence. That happened for me a long time ago. I don't need worship music. 
I don't need a worship leader like Billy, who's so great. I don't need a prayer meeting. I don't need a church service. Now I love going to church and I've experienced his presence as we worship together, as we're gathered together. Isn't that what Jesus said? Where if two or three gather together in my name, there I am with them. So there is a special way that he's with us when we gather. Aren't you glad he said two or three? He didn't say two or three thousand. <laughs> I've been in church services of like four or five people. Guess who was there every time? Jesus. He always comes to church every time. He always keeps that promise. I never say, Jesus, please come to church today. He's already here. But my experience in his presence still doesn't depend on anything or anyone else. In fact, this is true, and you know what I'm going to say. Some of the best times in his presence is just him and me. That's right. So we sing about it. We're going to sing a song in a minute. We were thinking about these old songs. You did not wait for me to draw near to you. You clothe yourself in frail humanity. I'm forever grateful that you came to seek and save the lost. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. I love this beautiful song we sing sometimes. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Aren't you thankful that Jesus came? Aren't you thankful for his presence? Maybe today, maybe today, his presence can go from being all around you here to inside of you. Let's close our eyes. We're going to pray a prayer. I wrote this prayer for us to pray. We can all pray it together. And maybe as you pray these words, that'll happen for you. It's between you and God. Here's the prayer. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you came. You brought your light into our darkness. You brought your presence into our world. We didn't deserve it. But in love, you came anyway. Thank you that you died and rose again. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Thank you I can live in your presence every day. And your presence lives in me. Help me experience more of your presence. And help me take your presence into my world every day. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.